0: Hello, Microbial Nation, and welcome to another episode of the Micro Moment. This is John, and I'm here to bring you an interview with Stephen Bolaris on the difference between academia and industry. Now, this is a little bit of an older interview that I did with him, so without any further ado, enjoy our episode of Academia vs. Industry. Hey, this is Jonathan Mitchell, the editor for Microbial Gals, and this is Transition, Academia to Industry. And today we have a special guest, Steven Bolares. He's currently a senior scientist, bioinformatician for Biorad Laboratories, and was also a bioinformatic scientist at Bioconsortia. Thank you for coming.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your career path and what led you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so my my career path was a a little bit of a strange trip. I originally got my bachelor's degree from the University of Arizona. And after that, it was 2009 when all of the funding for science labs and in general, academia was being cut because of the recession and stuff like that. So when that happened, I graduated. I, I didn't really have a job. And so I started with just moving back home and got a job in my hometown. But eventually, I wanted to actually use my degree in molecular biology. And along with that, uh, I found a recruiting firm that was looking for someone to work as a temporary to eventually become permanent. In doing so, I started a job eventually at a place called Metamune, which no longer exists. It was bought by AstraZeneca. But I originally got my industry experience there. I kind of was torn back and forth between industry and academia from an early start because in my undergrad, I was encouraged to go into a PhD. But obviously, because of the funding, I realized I actually have to go get a job because of student loans and things like that. After getting this job at metamune, I got an initial experience. It was a lot of kind of busy work and just taking the load off of the actual scientists who were working there. So it was maintenance equipment, sample receipt, and processing, stuff like that. Eventually, I was I proved myself enough that they gave me more responsibility. So I started working with raw materials. And then after that, I started working with the uh, microbiology group. And from there, I learned a lot of various and different skills, including working in clean rooms, doing some PPM, so checking for particulates and env- environmental monitoring for clean rooms as well as basic identification of microbes from the labs to identify if there's anything in there that violated the validation of those rooms and what we need to do to fix it in terms of cleaning. Because mm-hmm. everything that was in there was being made as drug product for clinical trials and stuff like that.
0: You're doing a lot of quality control and sterility checking. Exactly. Like. And so a lot of it was
1: you know, contact plates, making sure things don't grow testing the water that we use to actually make the products to make sure there was no contaminants going in that way. So a lot of QC, a lot of checking. Now, towards the end of this, there was a point where I said AstraZeneca had bought this company and was going to incorporate it. And so at that time, I had already been considering grad school and luckily I had been accepted into UC Riverside for a PhD in genetics, genomics and bioinformatics. And so I migrated from industry back to academia, where I got my PhD after about five years, and then again went back to industry, where I started working at a startup called Bioconsortia, who does a lot of microbial testing and some microbiome work for uh, microbes interacting with plants.
0: You said that you went from industry to academia back into industry. What would you say is the the biggest differences between the two, and um, why is it a decision people end up having to take? There's some big differences, and I guess they all have their pros
1: and cons. And depending on who's talking about it, they might have it in a different perspective. But for the most part, when you're working in academia, it's a little bit harder in terms of money. So you have to rely on writing good grants, getting funding, having lab space, things like that. But the pros are that you are your own boss, you get to choose what you research although your funding will likely also kind of guide you in what sort of niche you can research in terms of a, a larger umbrella. But largely, you can kind of govern yourself. And for those people who, especially in academia, if they want to be a professor, it gives them a chance to teach and interact with students and, in a sense, cultivate the next minds of science. Now, that being said, you have the other side of that, which is industry, whereby someone who maybe they're more concerned with making products or they're kind of more focused in terms of a bigger umbrella, how do you affect more people, help more people, do things like that. It's more stable in terms of pay. But a lot of times people in industry, they may shift jobs more often than someone in academia where they'll get a lab somewhere and stay there. Someone in industry might work a job for four or five years, but there might be a point where they can't advance any further and have to move to a new job with essentially a promotion. For me, I wanted to kind of maximize how far I could get in my career. I wanted to do academia, but at the same time, I also want to kind of drive my own focus and I know kind of where I want to be. And I have this goal in mind of what I want to do with it. And it could be, you know, going to a startup, going to this and having my own idea and having it grow.
0: I know you got your undergraduate degree in molecular microbiology, correct?
1: It was uh, molecular biology and computer science.
0: Was that microbial uh, centered or did you fall into microbiology later on in your career?
1: So I fell into microbiology after I worked in industry. At the time from my undergrad, as I think it is with a lot of people's undergrad, you take a lot of courses and you learn a lot of different things but you don't really get the real experience that you would get with, say, uh, a job or any sort of on-job training. But the microbial part of my interest actually came after Metamune and working in the microbiology group.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I didn't really follow uh, microbiome per se. I kind of fell face first. And then when I landed a job at UCR.
1: Yeah, that's usually how it goes, too, is that especially for academia, there's a lot of exposure that you get after working in labs, and more exposure to lab mates and other labs that you collaborate with.
0: So what kind of skills or personality traits do you think are uh, important for someone that is interested in, say, like bioinformatics?
1: Collaborative nature, probably a mind that's more detail-oriented, focused on a, a bigger picture than simply one experiment, thinking more of how is this data going to affect other studies, And what can I do to make it as strong as possible so that it'll stand the test of time?
0: Can you briefly say what bioinformatics is, particularly in terms of your job? So in a
1: general sense, bioinformatics is really just analysis of biological data to make informed, I don't want to say conclusions, but informed analyses to help with results and inform like a more biological sense of what's going on. In terms of my job, specifically, speaking for my time at bioconsortia, a lot of what I did was whole genome sequencing of microbes. So it was figuring out the microbes' potential, making sure there's no hazards, stuff like that. But also for the microbiome, there was a lot of trying to figure out if you could do a study. And with that study and the microbiome data, could you make conclusions about what microbes were key in terms of what was driving the study?
0: Is there anything you wish you knew about transitioning from academia to industry? It's a good question. I
1: think. For me personally, because I had come from industry, it was probably an easier transition. Coming for someone who didn't have that experience, I think the, the knowledge I would impart to them is keep in mind that not, every, not all industry is the same. So if you like the academic feel where you have more ability to uh, speak your mind, try crazy new things, be a little more innovative, then you're probably going to want to be at a company that has more of a startup feel versus if you go to, say, a bigger company that they're very focused on uh, singular product design, stuff like that, they may not have it as much. And so you might come in and they might say, okay, we want you to do this job. And your job is to do that thing. And so there can be a difference in that mindset for some people that's reassuring because it's very stable it's very focused versus um, going into a very open environment that's more academic so like a startup you might have a lot of different jobs jumping back and forth wearing different hats and it can be very stressful for people.
0: I know uh, some people are thinking about pursuing a career and either microbiology or industry, what would, a, what would be some advice you would uh, give them if they want to pursue this career? If you're looking to
1: do uh, microbiology and industry, I'd probably say, you know, do the best you can, show a genuine interest. I, I know of one person in particular who, I actually, uh, I wrote him a letter of recommendation for graduate school because When I interacted with him, he showed all these very indicators of how passionate he was about microbes. He would go around collecting fungi. He had a little notebook that he would keep where he would actually do scribbles of the fungi he found. And he would go back and classify them and say like, oh, I found this at this location. This is the type it is. He would like draw it out to show what it looked like. Little things like that and just showing your interest goes a long way to show you're you're very passionate about the work you're going to do. And I think when companies see things like that, it really helps because it's not that you're just looking for a job. It's that you're passionate about this and you want to work there. The other parts of that that I would say are probably especially for industry is uh, know the company you want to work for. I can't tell you how many times when I was interviewing people that uh, we would ask them questions about, okay, so you want a job at our company. What does our company do? And like, what are we known for? And they would just be like, have a blank face like a deer in headlights and they just weren't expecting to be asked a general question so things like that where if you don't know their main products or what they're known for then it it shows a lack of interest in that company and so you want to be very tailored very focused i know that you guys use this principle technology and this is why these are what you're trying to make and this is how i can help and when you bring that to the table they'll start to look at it as oh, this is a person who wants to be here, not just a person who wants a job.
0: Yeah, it sounds like not not only why they want to be there, but how are you going to fit and benefit the company? Yeah, absolutely. Microbiology is constantly changing. It's been 20 years since really we've been sequencing genomes, and it's uh, grown exponentially. Where do you think the field is going to be in the next 5 to 10 years?
1: I think in the next five to 10 years, things are going to change pretty rapidly, especially bacteria, things like that are going to be still easy to sequence. But I think especially the area of fungi is going to explode quite a bit. Long read sequencing is getting better. Fungi generally have also a lot of repeats. So technologies like PacBio and Oxford, as they get better at handling repeats, it's going to get better and better in terms of the quality of the genomes. And so that area and being able to incorporate that is going to get better. I also think in terms of just microbiome research as a whole, there's a thousand different ways to analyze data so no one really has a full grasp on the right way to do it. But as things start to progress more and more, it's going to get down to something more systematic the way just a general whole genome sequencing approach is for other things. And once that approach for microbiome is kind of set in, and things get a little bit more rigorous in terms of how people are analyzing their data, then we're going to get even more insights in terms of how things work in the environment, how like human gut microbiome interacts with the body and disease states. Things like that are going to be kind of the next fields to grow and explode.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm really hoping, because pretty much every microbiome analysis that you see, at least in humans, is all bacterial, and I'm hoping that's going to shift to encompass uh, eukaryotic organisms such as fungi and maybe extremophiles as well to try to get a bigger picture of everything.
1: Yeah, I think that's the hope. I know that there's a a lot of what's called microbial dark matter right now. So there's a lot of things that uh, in terms of identifying the microbes of interest, you have to map it back to a genome. But the, the trouble can be that a lot of those genomes comes from what's cultured. Now, if you can't culture those microbes, then you just have what's called the dark matter of things that don't align to anything. Some of that can be contamination from the host or humans that were processing it, stuff like that. But a lot of it could also be viruses or other things that don't have genomes and that people really can't explain. So they have to essentially throw that data away. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully, like you were saying, that's going to get better so that we can kind of Diminish that dark matter down as much as possible.
0: One limiting factor, as of right now, I think you brought up is being able to grow that bacteria in a laboratory. If we're not able to isolate it and grow it, it's hard to really study and figure out what that bacteria is, sequence it, and then map those reads back to that genome.
1: Yeah, and you actually uh, you remind me of one other thing that will probably grow and you'll see in the future as well. A lot of people are working with AI and machine learning to really uh, expand what we can figure out from a lot of this big data set. And I think that's the other area is, as uh, AI and machine learning gets into the hands of all data scientists, it'll probably eventually become widely available for all scientists to use in all kinds of different programming. And I think that's also gonna help as well.
0: All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, coming on and talking with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Do you have any last comments before heading out?
1: I guess just as things go crazy and we're all in these states, just remember that rigorous science is good science, and don't be afraid to ask questions.
0: It's great advice. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Hello, microbial nation. It's me again, your microbe obsessed host, Tess, and John and we need your help. That's right, you see, we want to improve your listener experience and provide higher quality audio for all of you to listen to and enjoy. With your help, we're looking to raise enough money to get some higher quality microphones, an audio mixer, and some editing equipment. If you'd like to help, there's a link you can follow in our show notes, or you can find a little coffee cup at the bottom of our homepage at microbigals.com. Really, every little bit helps, Up until now, we've been able to provide all our content for free, and we want to keep providing you with ad-free and high-quality microbe facts, interviews, and history snippets. Any amount is welcome, and we are so grateful for you and your support. As always, thanks for listening. Keep your microbes happy and healthy, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! Well, Microbial Nation, that's the end of our show. We'd like to thank you so much for listening. We hope you now have some fun facts to present to your next Zoom meeting. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share with your friends. You can find us at microbials.com. That's Microbigals.com. That's M-I-C-R-O-B-I-G-A-L-S dot com. Send us some feedback at Microbigals at or rate us on iTunes. Chat with us on Twitter at Microbigals. Or check out some pictures of our adorable puppy on Instagram, at Microbigales. We hope you enjoyed listening, and we hope you and your microbes stay healthy and happy. Bye!